Hey, welcome NFL football fans. It's that time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. And here we are in the offseason. The draft has come and gone. Uh, the Cleveland Browns have done what they've done, and we'll take a look at that, see how they did. Also, the offseason news, who's signing, who may be retiring, and uh, a fresh face in the Monday Night Football booth, and also the NFL facing another case of collusion. Hey, it's a great offseason here. So let's go ahead and get right into it. As you know, I do not work alone. I do enlist the help of only the very, very best. So here he is, uh, the man many of you follow on Twitter already, at Chris L Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L, and then sports. He is a proud graduate of Rutgers University and my favorite East Coast intellectual from somewhere in an undisclosed location in a bunker, I believe, in Southern California. One with windows, though, somehow. I don't know how that works. You'll have to ask him. Here he is, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Hey, thank you, Charles. Great to be back. It's a bunker name only. The windows are open. I'm letting some uh, fresh air in, I can assure you. But we, we are safe here at the, uh, let's just call it the, the football compound. How about that? <laughs> there we go. Okay, so, you know, let's get right into it. The NFL draft has uh, come and gone. The Cleveland Browns, again, have kind of surprised people. The only thing is, did they maybe uh, fall bass backwards into something good here? Because uh, in, in case you don't know, we'll just kind of recap it here. Number one overall was Baker Mayfield, a quarterback out of uh, Oklahoma, who had some has had some legal issues and some possible character issues in the past. Going number two, though, was Saquon Barkley, who is considered the can't-miss running back out of Penn State. New York Giants took him. Then the next quarterback came off the board, number three, Sam Darnold, the quarterback from SC. He went to the uh, New York Jets. Denzel Ward of, uh, of I'm sorry, of uh, Oklahoma, I'm sorry, Ohio State, defensive back. He went to Cleveland at number four, which was kind of curious. I mean, I have no problem taking defensive backs high, especially if they are worthy, but it just seems to me, was, was the stock on Mayfield that high or – could Cleveland have gotten Saquon Barkley, who is the can't miss of the draft and still probably had Mayfield available at number four? I would, I would think. We'll never know. But what do you think? I, I absolutely think so. Because I think at that point, the Giants, who they were honed in on Barkley, probably trade out of that pick. And I'm sure another quarterback gets taken. Probably uh, Darnold goes second and the Jets are the losers. But the reverse happens. Uh, you look at the Jets heading into the season. Everyone thought they were going to have to pull a Philadelphia 76ers like uh, tank job just to get Darnold. And all they had to do is trade up a few picks to three. And there he was sitting for them. Uh, Ward really, look, last couple of years, there have been cornerbacks that have, have gone high. I'm, I'm mainly thinking of Jalen Ramsey with the Jaguars, but he is a, a lights out defensive back. I mean, you know, like a Deion Sanders back in the day. Uh, I don't see, I mean, basically the draft experts, and I put that in air quotes, all thought that Ward was not the top corner in a reach that high, especially when you had Bradley Chubb sitting there. The Broncos have to be happy, too, to get him at five. You book him in, uh, with Miles Garrett, and let's face it, in the, the new NFL of 2018, you do not necessarily win with excellent cornerback play. You win with rushing the passer. The Eagles did it. The Rams had success with it. You look at the Giants, and they beat the Patriots twice. That was their model. So for me, that's a question mark. I personally hate draft grades right after the draft, but – Cleveland really was a head scratcher. And as a Giants fan, ultimately, if they're not going to replace Eli right now, I'm happy with the pick. Thank you, Cleveland Browns. Yeah. 
There we go. And, you know, four quarterbacks actually taken within the top ten. We had Josh Rosen, who went uh, number ten to the Arizona Cardinals. He was not happy about that. And uh, also we had Josh Allen, sorry, taken number seven by the Buffalo Bills out of Josh uh, Allen out of Wyoming. So we don't know what the quarterbacks are going to do. We, we never know about this. And I think one thing is the, the term franchise quarterback, uh, maybe it needs kind of a reboot because when we say franchise quarterback, it's everyone from, say, let's see, Joe Flacco to Kirk Cousins to Aaron Rodgers. So it's one thing to get a quarterback who's going to be with your franchise for a long time, but this term franchise quarterback does not necessarily mean that you're getting the next Aaron Rodgers. It means you're getting a guy who is somewhat dependable, at least for the most part, and is going to be around for a while. So it doesn't necessarily mean a superstar. Absolutely. I mean, once upon a time, the said New York Jets thought Mark Sanchez was a franchise quarterback. He took them to back-to-back AFC championship games. Everyone loved him. And uh, now, now what is he even in football? I know he got suspended for PEDs, I believe. But yeah, I think it's really, it's overhyped. It puts a lot of stress on a team, a GM. I mean, yes, you need a quarterback to win, but you look, you can, they come in many shapes and sizes. They don't always have to be a top pick or a top 10 pick. Um, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Let's face it. I'm not saying he's a, yeah. a, a take the Eagles to the Super Bowl every year. He was a nice villain, a great story, but you have a serviceable quarterback um, and you have the models, right? You look at the team they beat in the NFC championship case Keenum, who would have thought he would have taken the Vikings that far. So you do need a quarterback, but I, I think the franchise term is completely overrated. Yeah, there we go. And we could talk about the term shutdown corner also where teams want a shutdown corner. Now, whether or not they shut down anyone is secondary to the actual title. In the beginning, it was something that you earned. You had to be a Deion Sanders, a Daryl Green, a Darrell Rivas, you know, someone like that to be termed shutdown corner. But now they get someone, they say, this is to be their shutdown corner, as though it's actually a position. You have the corner and then you have the shutdown corner. Yes, indeed. And, you know, it's kind of like GOAT, greatest of all time, uh, pound for pound, best fighter in boxing. The list goes on. Look, it, it's good for headlines. It's good for off-season, roundtable, fake debate, sports shows. I'm not naming the network. But, uh, yeah, every, everyone loves to throw the terms around these days, and not just Kanye West. Yeah, there we go. Let's, let's not get into Kanye now. But anyways, uh, well, Baltimore. I like what the, what the Baltimore Ravens did. And interesting, because you look at Joe Flacco, who is kind of the stationary type of a quarterback, you know, pocket passer, but his two backups, they signed RG3, and also they got at number 32, I believe, in the first round. They took Lamar Jackson, who is uh, considered a little bit of a project. But uh, interesting that you have Flacco, but then you have the two guys behind him are basically, you know, uh, it's completely different style of quarterback. And looking at Flacco's age and everything, do you think maybe they're looking at kind of, a little gentle transition out of the Flacco era? Yeah, they absolutely are. I think it's going to be like Kirk Cousins in Washington last year. He makes a ton of money. I think they've essentially told him this is his uh, farewell tour of sorts. RG3, I think, is just a placeholder. I mean, you've got to have a backup at some point. I'm really um, not sure why they picked him, but, I mean, it's good to see him back in football. He was so, so just highly thought of and had a great rookie year with the Redskins and completely fell off the face of the earth after that. But uh, we mentioned this in last week's show. I thought the Ravens could potentially take Lamar Jackson. I'm glad I got one prediction right. I think it's good because he can sit on the bench. He can learn under Greg Roman's system. Uh, Roman had another similar uh, 
big athletic quarterback who people didn't know if we able to start in the NFL. Uh, he's now out of football, but that's a separate story. But uh, Roman's good at designing offenses for that style. So um, remains to be seen. But I like the old school Carson Palmer model or, you know, even Eli when he sat for, I think, half a year behind Kurt Warner. Give the guy some time. Don't throw him to the wolves. I think there's something to be said for that if you can afford it from a salary cap perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you talk about the thing about RG3, now he was out of football last year and now he's back. And uh, this kind of is a segue into now we've got another case of collusion, not involving RG3 because, see, when you're out of football and you didn't do anything, well, let's call it, some would say silly, others say controversial. I'll just say something uh, out of the ordinary. So you don't have any claims. So RG3 wasn't signed last year. He can't say, hey, I kneeled during the anthem and now no one wants to sign me. All he was just, he was just unsigned. Now we have Eric Reed, who actually was a teammate of Colin Kaepernick. He's a safety, Eric Reed is. Now he burst upon the scene in 2013. 2013, he was the, uh, he made the all rookie team. He's a first team all pro. He was a pro bowler, but he has not been to the pro bowl since 2013. So just one of those where the light uh, burned very brightly, burned out. Now he's out of football as a free agent, hasn't made a pro bowl since 2013. And now he's saying, that uh, teams are colluding against him. Nobody wants to sign him. What this is uh, getting kind of silly here. So, it, it, so to protect my job, if I'm an NFL player, should I just do something controversial just for the heck of it? And then when I don't get signed, just in case I don't get signed, sometime I can say, "Hey, they're discriminating against me." Yeah, I mean, the owners are colluding against them. They're colluding against Colin Kaepernick, too. They'll never admit it, but that's what happens. You have to realize they are the employer. As an employee, when you do things like that, whether you like it or not, agree with it or not, he has freedom of speech. We're not going to haul him off right. to jail or arrest him or blackmail him for the rest of his life, but the NFL has a right not to hire him, and if he's not producing, then so be it. By that logic, I guess Ray Rice was colluded against, right? Look, what Ray Rice did was deplorable, and no one even gave a sniff of wanting to hire him like the, the Seahawks allegedly are with Colin Kaepernick. So by that logic, should Ray Rice get in on it too? No, that's what happens. You do something stupid, you're not going to have a job. If you or I did that in our day-to-day -day job, and our employers decided, oh, yeah, Chris is outspoken, and he's on social media, you know, Trash, trashing our company or XYZ industry, I'm going to be looking for work. And anytime I go on an interview, people are going to say, so why are you out of work? So uh, <laughs> welcome to corporate America. I know you think it's a sport, but listen, it's big business like anything else. Yeah, absolutely true. So, and I think too, that uh, back in the day, we did, you know, people like tried to compare uh, Kaepernick to Muhammad Ali and things like that. And it's, there's no comparison because what those guys, what those pioneers risk way back when is far greater than what Kaepernick risked. When you look at from a monetary standpoint, uh, what these guys have made already when this whole thing hits the fan, you know, they've already got millions in the bank. And back then, these guys were risking everything to make protests and take a stand. And not only that, but they understood they were risking everything and they took it like a man. That's what I liked about it too. They understand it's like, I'm taking this I'm taking this risk. I'm doing this. I understand there could be some horrible consequences, but I'm going to do this anyway because I think that's important. And you should understand when you do that, that's the chance you take. You don't get to do something controversial and then whine like a little baby because you think there are consequences. You know, what you outlined right there is kind of a microcosm of society and youth in 2018, Charles. I mean, I know we're not a uh, 
social or political program here, but isn't that just kind of a microcosm of where we are? And uh, are we really the two grumpy old men next door? Get off my lawn. I think not, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head right there. There's, there's no accountability. There's a sense of entitlement in life. And look, um, he wants a protest. That's great. I have no problem with it. You have people burning flags. I don't agree with it. That's all right. But like I said, like I, I tell my kids, your actions have consequences. You've got to think beyond just a step or two ahead. I mean, think think bigger picture. Think longer term. Um, you know, the, the fact that Kaepernick's still being entertained by the Seahawks, I think, says a lot. Uh, besides the protest issue and whether he's got a valid case for him being boxed out of an NFL job, guy was an ineffective NFL quarterback the last few years, even before the kneeling. So um, at, like, like, like I, we've even talked about this on this show, RG three was out of football. Did, did he complain? Did anyone say, Oh, well, you know, he he's tied to this protest. No, RG three stunk and he had a lot of injuries. That's what happens. Right. Exactly. So let's go ahead and get into some other NFL news. I, you were, we were talking off there before we started here and well, I guess Matt Ryan is going to be in Atlanta for a while. We don't know how much longer he'll have Julio Jones. And, well, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, he went at number 10 in the draft, wide receiver out of Alabama. He went right before Minka Fitzpatrick, who is a, actually a defensive back on that same team there, so for, the, for Alabama as well. So, in fact, I'm sorry, it was, it was switched 11 and 12. But anyways. He may be catching patches, passes from Matt Ryan, but the Julio Jones saga in Atlanta, uh, any news on that? Yeah, I haven't seen anything other than I think he pulled the plug in his social media accounts. Not sure if it was uh, a, a broader uh, state of uh, maybe he had been a victim of data mining by Facebook. Not entirely sure, but or maybe he just posted some silly things that got blown out of proportion like uh, most people seem to do <laughs> these days. But uh, I, I think, you know, with Taylor, the loss of Taylor Gabriel, I think it's a good pick for the Falcons. Like I mentioned last week, just you know, tangentially watching college football from time to time. I like the way Ridley plays, and I, I think it's an interesting pick for the Falcons. I mean, there were times last year where it seemed like that offense couldn't get going. As, as Julio went, so did the Falcons' offense. So a good pick there, and it's a good hedge if they, they do let Julio walk or they decide to part ways in the future. Um, really not sure, but the, the bigger trend, and, and this is an even uh, – going to be an even bigger and more magnified issue in New York is OBJ with his contract extension. And, uh, you know, right now they've kind of tabled that, but that's going to rear its ugly, ugly head at some point. And I think teams ultimately say, you know, it's great to have a franchise wide receiver, but look at Des Bryant. A few years, they lose a step. They're not catching the balls. They're replaceable. Right. And we got Des Bryant who, from what I understand, not a lot of teams are courting him either. So, I guess maybe he can say it's collusion, I suppose. But let's go ahead and move on here uh, to Des Bryant's teammate, and that is Jason Witten, uh, soon-to-be Hall of Fame tight end. I guess he's still mulling it over, but he's got an offer on the table from ESPN, $4.5 million a year to do Monday Night Football. Jason, if you're listening, I know you love the game, but there is this is the opportunity of a lifetime. You're going to work only, what is it? 15 nights a week because there's no Monday night football on the final week of the season, 15 nights a week, sitting in a booth talking about the sport that you love so dearly, never having to take a hit and getting paid four and a half million dollars a year. You cemented your legacy as a great tight end. Uh, you had a you know, great character the whole time you played. Go ahead, step out of there, take this job. Jason, if you're listening, take the job, man. 
Yeah, I mean, Charles, I hope he's not working 15 nights a week. That's worse than the Beatles eight days a week. But re- regardless. Oh, 15 um, nights a year. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you know, regardless, if I work 15 nights a week, I'd take the four and a half too. But yeah, from what I read on, on, on the internet this evening, it looks like he's going to ESPN. I think the holdup was there was another network that was uh, kind of coming into play at the last minute. But uh, you can't blame them. Um, apparently, we're seeing a theme in broadcasting. We know uh, television loves to, to follow the leader. And with... Uh, Tony Romo coming right off the field to going into the CBS booth. ESPN's doing the same thing with Witten. This can only mean one thing. It's good news for Cowboys. Des, retire. There's an analyst job waiting for you somewhere that'll pay you handsomely. So I know you can't be a receiver anymore. The collusion's working against you. Go broadcast. I'm sure Fox will put you in a booth somewhere, right? Well, is there a collusion amongst broadcasting uh, these broadcasting networks to only hire ex-Cowboys? That's the next lawsuit I guess we'll see, huh? Yeah, we've got Aikman, Witten, Romo. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I know. So what's the Chris Collinsworth excuse? He's just annoying? I think so. Yeah, and that was way back when. He played for the Bengals, and everybody felt sorry for them back then. Yeah. Oh, uh, You know, it's good. Bruce Arians supposedly is going to be uh, working one of the booths for Fox, I believe. So it'll be good to get a coach's perspective again. I think he's he's pretty outspoken, and he's good with quarterbacks. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, no words on uh, – Sir, your boy, Surly Jay Cutler, is he going to go back to the booth or what's he going to do now? I wonder, because with Cutler, the problem with Cutler is I don't know that he was, when you look at who they hire for the booth, at least they're, uh, you know, if they're outspoken or they're actually likable or controversial. And if, if, they're, if they're controversial, it's in a good way, like when Shannon Sharp was on TV, you know, Ray Lewis, guys like that. But Cutler is just, you know, flat out, and I've never met him, so I don't want to speak on too personal a level, but he's just not that likable a football player. That's what I think will stand in his way. I don't know of anyone who just, even you talk to Bears fans, do they like Jay Cutler? Not really. Do the Dolphins fans like Jay Cutler? Not really. Have you, what have you heard teammates say about Jay Cutler? Nobody, nothing. So yeah. I don't know about Cutler. He may have, uh, by taking that one year with the Dolphins, he may have taken himself out of the running for a lot of things. Well, that settles it. He'll be in the ESPN studio with Rex Ryan. I've got got a job lined up for him there. (laughs) Okay, there we go. So that's the off-season update for the NFL. And remember, you can follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And before we sign off, uh, Chris, any final words of wisdom for the football-loving public out there? Yeah, sure. got a a few nuggets I'd like to quickly fit in. I mean, I'm giving myself a draft grade here like the uh, experts do. Um, I was wrong. I thought the Browns would not take Mayfield. Um, However, I've got to give them kudos. They took Nick Chubb, one of the Georgia backs I like, later on in the draft. I think he'll be a good player. Uh, really like the uh, Steelers of what they did, picking Sonny Michelle from uh, the other Georgia running back. I mean, look, Belichick realizes that team did not run the ball well, and they didn't win a Super Bowl Brady throwing for 500-plus yards. So I think they've addressed that need there. Um, I do like the Cardinals trading up for Josh Rosen. Um, just hope he can stay healthy for their sake. I know he made some comment about how nine teams made a mistake, and he came across yeah. as pompous, but that's, that's par for for the course for him. Some people have likened him to the next Cutler, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so be it. But I guess he's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove there in the desert. Um, he, uh, uh, the the Giants taking Barkley. I, I mean, I got to hand it to Gettleman. He got a guard in the second round out of UTEP. Um, he really did not try and mask his, hide his hand per se. So I'll give him that much. He was up front. He did what he said he was going to do. Remains to be seen how Pat Shermer and staff 
um, put that into play and keep OBJ happy and spread the ball around. But uh, those are my kind of takeaways from the draft. And then um, something I noticed, uh, LeGarrette Blunt recently signed with the Detroit Lions. And I was thinking about it. He won a Super Bowl last year with the Eagles. He won a Super Bowl the year before that with the Patriots. I'm going to dust off the Gambler's Delight segment here. I mean, it, clearly the key to any team's success in hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, the common denominator is LeGarrette Blunt. So if you're in Vegas, the uh, Lions can be anywhere from a 50 to 60 to 1 long shot to win the Super Bowl. What do you say? If, you, if that's not for you, uh, right now their win total is uh, they're over under 6.5. Maybe you take the over. Maybe they don't get to the Super Bowl, but like Eric gets them eight or nine wins. So uh, something to keep your eyes on. Um, I know now a lot more of these win totals and Super Bowl odds have kind of gotten locked down now that the draft's over. So uh, wager accordingly. And then finally, the uh, with the NFL schedule coming out a couple weeks ago, something that kind of went under the radar. My brother pointed this out to me. He's a giant season ticket holder. NBC can now flex games as early as week five. So don't tell me that NBC doesn't get the best schedule or doesn't get preferential treatment. Um, you look also Fox uh, paying $600 million per to get Thursday night football, and then we have to endure Joe Buck and Troy Aikman an extra day of the week. Um, their schedule looked a lot better than the previous Thursday night duds. And um, you know, money talks. I guess with ESPN, they complained enough. They got a few better games, it looks like, on paper this year. But uh, same old NFL. If you, it, It's this proverbial pay-to-play. So uh, – Congratulations, NBC. Uh, season ticket holders, um, just look. That little asterisk next to those games starting with week five means that your team might not be playing at one or four Eastern or one Pacific, <laughs> whatever the case is. So uh, beware. Yep. There we go. And, you know, as they say in the hood, back in the day, uh, when you talk about money, money talks and uh, BS walks. That's the way it is. That's what it comes down to. So one, I found one final word for if any of the Pittsburgh Steelers may be uh, listening to us here, and that is now Mike Tomlin, uh, coach, he came under fire a little bit uh, about a couple of months ago because he was said he was not in favor of the whole the end zone celebrations, and he thought they were a distraction. And the Steelers were one of the best at end zone celebrations over the last couple of seasons, especially last year. They took it to another level. Here's the problem. When Mike Tomlin is evaluated by – uh, the persons above him, they don't talk about it. Well, how are your team's end zone celebrations? You know, it comes down to, uh, I'm sorry, why did you lose to the Jaguars? Um, I thought it was about you and the Patriots and getting to the Super Bowl. And then you tank to the Jaguars. And every year we see the Steelers, and honestly, as a Dolphins fan and then a secondary Steelers fan, it's just taken a while for me to realize how disappointing the Steelers have been over the past five years or so. There's always some reason why they don't make it to the Super Bowl. If it's an injury, if it come, if they come out flat or whatever. But I, I get what Tomlin's doing. It's like, you know what, focus on the football game. When you start winning, and not just winning the regular season, but actually when it counts, winning playoff games, making it to the Super Bowl, hang, getting Lombardi trophies, then we can talk about your end zone dances. But until then, I don't care if you play hide and seek in the end zone or not. I'm not impressed. And I get where Tomlin's coming from. Absolutely. And let's face it, he's probably going to be one or one A on the coaching hot seat when the season starts in September. So can you blame him? I mean, all he has to do is look at Tom Coughlin and see how he was run out of New York despite winning two Super Bowls by OBJ and his antics and supposedly uh, not being as much of a disciplinarian as he was when he came into the league. So Good for Tomlin. I mean, the the celebrations are fun and all, but uh, I agree. You got to win first. I mean, could you see the uh, 
You know, could you see the steel curtain teams under Chuck Knoll doing this? <laughs> I don't think so. So, hey, everybody, thanks for watching this NFL football talk. We'll be giving you updates uh, periodically here during the off season, And then when the season starts, it'll be a weekly show, as you know. So we do this for you. We definitely thank you for tuning in. Remember, download the Podbean app, and you can take us with you wherever you go. Podbean, that's on your smartphone in either the Google Play Store or the App Store. And uh, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr., that is Chris Lardieri. Thank you for watching, or excuse me, listening to NFL Football Talk, and we'll see everybody next time. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah.